Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. The reason I, I play that video is I think a lot of times we think that just because we know things, we have the skill to do them. I think a lot of times we feel like knowledge is understanding, but it's not. Just because you know a lot more things, it doesn't mean that you actually understand how things work. Or skill is not exactly the same as as knowing things. So when you go towards, you know, towards this New Year's and when you make resolutions, understand that even though you might set out to do something, just because you know that's good for you doesn't necessarily mean that you'll do it. Because you've been sort of programming yourself in a certain way and you're going to have to unlearn that way and then learn the better way or whatever you're trying to do, right? And I think a lot of times when we come to this, we fully understand that you know, I, I actually, when I started watching this video, I was just like, really? I, everyone knows. Once you know how to ride a bike, you don't, you know, you can't unlearn it. You know, like it's just something that you just do. But apparently there is a way to unlearn it. And, and the younger you are, the easier it is. That's why when you are 15 and you go through puberty, <laughs> like a lot of things, like at least for me, I know that this is very personal because when I came here, I didn't speak any English. I was 15 years old, and I still have an accent. But people that came here when they were like seven, their accent kind of gets erased really quickly. People that start playing piano at two years old, they don't have to try as hard because they can get it really quickly. But if you're 40 and you're learning how to play piano, good luck. It's, you can still do it, but it's extremely difficult. If you remember in this video, there was, there was this kind of thing that he said that I learned in eight months and his son learned in a couple weeks. So the more you are set in the old ways, the harder it is to break it, right? So when it comes to our spiritual lives, a lot of times we come and encounter Christ. We, we know what the Bible says, but it's so difficult to do it. it you set out, you know, on January 1st that from now on you're going to do Bible devotions every single day. How's that working for you? You're lying in the house of God. Because um, <laughs> you know how many times you, you are missing your devotion. You know, uh, you, you set out that, you know, uh, this year's going to be different. This year I'm going to go to the gym. And then, because, you know, you didn't go to the gym this year, which makes it the fifth year in a row. Uh, so, so this year things will be different. You set out to do something, but you don't have the skill. You don't have, you know, you might know something. Like this guy, he knew right away what was wrong with the bike, right? There was just, every single time you go right, the bike would go left. And every single time you go left, the bike would go right. So he, he knew what the problem was right away. But that doesn't mean he was able to ride it, right? It, it didn't come until a while later that he got the chance to actually be free and walk. And I think when we walk with, when we're talking about walking with Christ, it's kind of the same idea. When you first start walking with Christ, it's not exactly comfortable. You, you're, you're unlearning a whole bunch of bad habits that you've had before, and you're trying to learn new ways of doing things. And those old habits are so ingrained into you that you always have the tendency to pull the lever 
in the wrong direction, right? Like the pull the lever in what you've done before. So the moment you feel alone, you go to the bottle or to the computer or you go to the, the moment like, and it's funny that I didn't really talk to Vika about this, but she was talking about exactly the same thing what I plan on talking tonight. So obviously God is trying to say something here. So the moment you feel lonely, where you feel the automatic response is to pull the lever in the way you used to do before. Things have to change. You can't do the same exact thing expecting different results because that's the definition of insanity. A person who's insane, that's what they do, is they do the same thing over and over and over expecting that things will change. I feel a lot of times we do the same thing to ourselves where we feel that, you know, <laughs> just getting that one car is going to change things. Well, yeah, but see, you've had that before where you had to get those pair of shoes that, that will change your life. Did, did it change your life? Maybe for a couple of days until you got bored with whatever you bought. So we have this idea that if we can just get more of what didn't work, it's going to work this time. No, we won't. More of something that's ineffective, it's not going to change its effectiveness. So, so the idea that I'm trying to convey is just because you know it doesn't mean you understand it. To understand it, you're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to be persistent. You're going to have to be you know, consistent in what you're doing. I mean, for him to actually learn, learn how to ride this bike, it took him eight months he, I don't know if it was every day, but it seems like he was doing this every day for eight months, trying to, or every week, whatever he was trying to do for a consistent amount of time until he relearned, where he learned a new way of doing, of riding a bike. But what happens when you just don't care about changing? Do you think you're going to change? I heard this saying that I love so much. It says, there are three kinds of people. Those people who make things happen, those, those the people who watch things happen, and those people who kind of wonder what happened. So you either make thing make thing happen, uh, things happen, where you watch things happen, or you are one of those people that are just like just uh, what, what happened. I had an interesting conversation right before youth ministry, and I don't want to pick too much on it, but like, I feel that a lot of things that I learn is, is obviously I'm a little bit removed from the current sort of like, you know, people that are 16, 17, 18, 19, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm not of that age anymore. But when we grew up, our biggest problem was hard drugs. Like that was, that was huge for us. Like we were dealing with that and people constantly go rehabs and, and even though the drug problem didn't go away, I think the, the new generation kind of like problem is apathy. People just don't care. Like, oh, do you go and go to church? Uh, I don't know. Like, are you going to go to a small group? Uh, I, I don't know. Do you want to do anything? I guess. What is everybody doing? Uh, I guess I'll go. I mean, it's not like... It's, this is kind of like the attitude. 
And in the, in, you know, in the world where everyone is following one another and so on and so forth, and like who's important, who's not, there are those people who, you know, they gotta go and their presence alone, people gather around them just because of who they are. And then there's people, they're like, they go with the crowd. And we see that Jesus had the same exact problem. Because even though maybe Jesus didn't deal with social media, he had a whole bunch of people that followed him for the wrong reasons. Because it was the thing to do. Okay, well, there's a new teacher in town. Everyone just follow Jesus. And Jesus would turn around and he would say some crazy things like, hey, if you follow after me, count the cost because it might cost you everything. And if you don't, you know, if you don't, if you're not ready to go to the cross with me, then you have no partake in what, what I'm about to do. If you don't want to die on the cross with me, you don't get to share in my glory. If you don't, if you are not doing, my, like if you're not doing what I command, you don't know me. Stop pretending like you do. So, so what he calls us is, is to live, to imitate. Remember when we read Ephesians 5, verse 1, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So he is saying that, 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 look, if you want to be a Christ follower, you have to imitate. You can't be a fan. You have to do exactly what he's doing. You can't just say, oh, I, I like what he's doing. <laughs> I'm just going to click a like right there. Like. And he's saying, like, you have to imitate. So if Jesus says, feed the poor, you feed the poor. If Jesus says, okay, you got to disciple, you got to go and disciple. If he says, go and preach the word, you go and do that. And he says, because this is the way of love. And it's kind of interesting if you think about it. Like, okay, what do you mean? Like, the way of love is for me to imitate Christ? Yeah, because you see, love is... is <laughs> love is, is such a, it initiates what I'm trying to say. Love is not pa- uh, passive. It, it doesn't just sit back and like, oh, just, you know. Love initiates. I think one of the hardest things for guys is to sort of initiate their love towards a girl because there's really like a 50-50 chance of you getting turned down. That hurts. But I think God automatically asked us to do it because like we can take rejection and like this is not to this is not to uh, but i think girls are, you're a little bit built differently and that's not to play it down but i think girls take rejection a little bit kind of like more personal than guys do and i wonder if sometimes maybe god asked us to initiate because of that because maybe we can we can handle the rejection a little bit better God didn't just call the guys to love. He called you to lead. He called you to conquer. God called you to be a prophet, a king, and a priest. So I'm going to take a moment right now and speak to the guys in this house. Okay? If you're a guy in the house, you're called to be like Christ. And that is, you're called to be a prophet. A prophet, what they do is they take the word of God and they bring it to the people. So you are called to stay in the middle between God and the people. So what God says for you to declare it over your generation. God has also called you to be a priest. So God has called you to take the word 
of the people and say, you know, if it's repentance, if it's praise, and carry it to, to the Lord. He's called you to be in the middle, and God has called you to be a king. God has called you to conquer, to initiate, because love does things. Love sacrifices. Love is not passive. Love doesn't just like, eh, eh, I guess I love you. I mean, I told you I love you, so if anything changes, like that no, that's not what love does. Love is, is a constant day-by-day thing. Every single minute you say it, you know, like, because here's the thing, like, we don't, we don't know. Like, everyone has this idea that we know that we have about a 9.999999% of us dying. Because, you know, Elijah was taken up to heaven and he didn't die, so it's not exactly 100%. But we know that almost 100% of everyone, death is just, it's a reality for all of us. But somehow we just, for us it's taboo, and we don't talk much about it. We don't, we don't talk much about death because it kind of scares us, frankly. And quite frankly, we don't, we don't really want to talk about death because it's depressing. But it's a reality for all of us. So you don't really know if tomorrow I get to live. You don't know if tomorrow you get to live. So my encouragement to you is if there's a time to initiate, is tonight. is right now. If there's a time to show how much you love people, is starting in this moment and continue it for the, for the rest of your life and every single second of your life. Initiate. Sacrifice. And love. If there's a time to be a prophet and to declare things to your generation, it starts right now and it's every single second of your life. If there's a time to be a priest, to kind of, kind of intercede for the people, for your friends, for your family, this is the time you should start doing it. It's now. If there's a time, you know, to be a king and conquer and say, you know what? I will see lives transformed. I will not allow the enemy to walk all over my friends. I will not allow the enemy to, to get all my friends into a bind about, you know, depression and, and bondage. And this is what I think for me, what I hate the most, when, what I hate the most as, as a youth pastor is when there's just, just passivity. I mean, you can be passive about, I don't know, you can be, I, I can be passive about dog shows. Thank you for the emphasis. I can be passive. There's certain things you can be passionate about, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what tells me is people that are passive, they haven't really kind of thought about the consequences of that passiveness. Imagine, like, imagine if a CEO came to, to run his company, and like, what do you guys want to do? You guys want to invest? I don't know. I guess we, we can invest, I guess. Do you guys want to, do, do you guys want to like make money? Do you really want to? No CEO does that. Because they understand they, they gotta, they have a lot at risk. Their family, their home, you know, their vacations are at risk, their house, their, their car is at risk. But here we have our stakes are so much higher. We're talking about eternity. You know, I, I tell my friends about Jesus, but what if, what if they look at me as like, you know, this religious person that like, you know, like I don't want to sound like I'm really like, you know, like, are you okay with that friend of yours that you supposedly love that much to spend eternity apart from Christ? 
Do you think that when we do events, a city hill is just sort of like, oh, we don't have an... Vika, do you have anything to do? Because, like, I'm really bored, so maybe we should put some events on. Like, maybe you should just... You know, maybe, maybe we should do that, I guess. No. Our leadership team, we're very, 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 <laughs> you know, direct, and we're not passive about what we're called to do. Every single event... I mean, some of our leaders, they spend five, six hours before and then five, six hours after at times to clean up after camp. Or if it's an event here, maybe a couple hours before or after to clean up because they understand that even, even if I, you know, and it's weird because a lot of our leaders, they're the ones who first buy the ticket to go to camp. And when they go to camp, they don't have fun because they work the whole time. They're the, one, the ones that have to wake up at 7 a.m. And like everyone, the whole, everyone is, is, is sleeping in the camp, but, you know, all the leaders have to wake up and then they have to go to sleep the latest because they understand that every single thing that we do, if we can, if we can share the joy that God has given us and the hope that we have for eternity, if we can share that, it's worth it. All the work that we do, it's worth it. And then, you know, you have a whole bunch of people that they, they're completely overworked. But they understand they're doing this not because, oh, I like it or I don't, but because the Lord Jesus Christ said that I got to go, go preach. I got to go and be a friend. I got to go and initiate. I got to go and love. I got to go and see people transformed and lives transformed. I want to say... He goes on, verse 3 says this, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse joking, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no one, immoral, impure, greedy person, will inherit the kingdom of God. For a greedy person is idolater, worshiping the things of the world. I think really what passivity comes into play is we understand that passivity is rooted in selfishness. My comfort is so much more important than me stepping out of, out of my comfort zone. That's what it's really rooted in. Now, I know this is the depressive side of this whole message. The good news is that God came in our life so we don't we're no longer like that. We have this amazing thing that he gave us is this message of hope. We don't have to die like everyone else. We don't have to pursue things like everyone else because, you know, like I said last time, their joy is just to enjoy, just to enjoy that stake. But we are talking about eternity. Our joy doesn't stop with our vacation, our car, our joy goes so beyond. Our friendships don't stop at the point of our death. Our friendship goes beyond that, goes into eternity. And we have this such amazing message that God has given us. And sometimes I feel like we've caged it. We've kind of, we have this bottleneck sort of idea that, you know, I guess that's important. The message that God has given us is, has the power to change the, the most dire of circumstances. Change the most, you know, the most hopeless of people. And yet we're so passive against it. You know why? Because it hasn't changed us. Because you, you see, here's the thing is, 
We can tell people they're passionate about the Lord, but if He hasn't changed you, you're not passionate. People will know. You can preach to them and tell them the greatest stories, and you can read them the best novels and, and the best verses, but in the, the day, people will become exactly like you because your example speaks and preaches way more than anything that you say. So if you're not showing up to a New Year's party because, oh, I just don't know if I'm don't expect people to be passionate about that. If you're not showing up to camp because, like, I just don't know, like, I don't know if I, you know, well, don't expect other people to be passionate about that. If you, if you go and tell that Jesus is good, but you're still dealing with depression, if you still haven't come to the cross and you, you, you saw a change in your life, you kind of sound like that sleazy salesman and in, 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 the, in the car uh, dealership, where you, you go up to them like, they're not sure about the product themselves. Like, do you want to buy it? Like, I, I can sell it to you right now. Why? Because you don't really believe in the product yourself. So my question to you today is this, is has the Lord touched your lives? Has He really changed us? Because here's the ultimate question. What if everyone in our church was exactly like you? What would our church look like? To some of you, that's good news. To some of you, it's really bad. What if everyone in church gave as much as you give? Would the church thrive? Would we be able to carry the gospel, carry the message of the Lord? If everyone served the way you serve, if everyone got passionate about saying, hey, these events are not about the event itself. These are events of us hugging people and, and telling them about the love of Christ and, and creating memories and, and, and praying for them. If everyone's celebrating here and I have to go and talk to someone in the car about their difficulty, that, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And, and small groups are not necessarily for me to feel important, but small groups are, are that, that moment where I can actually connect with someone more than I have connected ever before. And camp is not about me going and having fun. Camp is so much more than that. You will know that you are in Him if you are like Him. Because you see, faith changes things. You cannot say that you believe what Christ has given you and stay the same for years and years and years. And, and, and if I talk to guys about how God has called you to be this and that, well, the same thing applies for you girls. Like, God has called you to be a prophetess to your generation, to your own girls. To the people that maybe, you know, the girls are 14 years old and they think that Beyonce is so cool. God has called you to show her a better way. God has called you to intercede for your, for your friends and for the girls that are younger. And God has called you to be a queen and actually start to say, you know what? The enemy will no longer have any place amongst my friends. I will, I will be on the offensive. Imagine if Seahawks played like that. Like, what if Seahawks decided that we're only going to play defensive? We, as long as they don't score on our side, we're good. Do you think they're going to win? Playing defensive. What if the Seahawks decided, yeah, what well, would you just going to like go and sit on the field? Like, we're not going to do anything because, you know, I, that's some strategy. Now, you see, God has called us. He said, I will build my church. 
and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I look forward to that day where we see bold men and women of God that rise up from this youth ministry, and they're the ones who are preaching from this pulpit and declaring what God's done. I'm, I look forward to the, the day when guys and girls stand up and saying, I will stand up for the sins of my generation and bring that before the Lord and repent together as a generation. I look forward to the day where, where guys and girls look to them to, to the enemy and says, oh, not today, enemy. Like, I'm, I'm going against you, not on my own strength, but I go against you and the righteousness that is given to me by Jesus Christ on the cross. I go against you. Maybe maybe I've lost some battles, but ultimately I know that Jesus won the war and I go against you in that victory. That's, that's what God has called us to do. And then this New Year's, we're going to go forward. Regardless if you come to a party or not. This you know, service on Friday nights is going to go forward with you or without you, with you. And next year, we, you, you have the chance to say this year will be different. And maybe it might take me eight months to break away that mentality of how I used, I used to think that, you know, this was cool and this was cool. That even if it takes me eight months to just break out of the mentality, by next December, I will be different. I will not think no longer that... My success is about me, myself, and I. That's three of us. I think my success is, is eternal, is what God has called us to do in this moment that impacts eternity. To speak a word. And, and regardless if you are a youth service at New Year's, where you're, you're at Spoken Truth, or if you're at camp, or if you're a small group, or if you're just hanging out with someone at Starbucks for no reason other than just to catch up with them and say, how are you doing spiritually? No matter where you find yourself, you become, you know, you become a partner in what God is doing amongst us. And you become, you know, a, a nation conqueror. And as you are faithful in the little, God says, this is a bold person. This is a person that I can, I can, I can, entrust my whole kingdom with. This is what excites me. Not the latest car that I'm going to buy, not the commission check that I'm going to get from selling the latest house. I don't care about that, quite frankly. It's good to have money because I don't go to the store paying with love, right? Like, you go to the store paying with money. But at the end of the day, what excites me is I hope that one day you rise up and and you don't consider success by how comfortable you can get in front of TV. But consider success, how do I reach out to my friends that are lost? How to make sure that they have a relationship with the Lord? That is what we count as success. Because you see, there's too much to lose. But if you need tonight, if you maybe wonder, like, that sounds really great. But at the end of the day, it's still extremely hard for me. Can I get some practical steps? I would say if you have not made that commitment to follow after Jesus, you're going to have to start where you are right now. And you, the first step is to come to him and repent. If you've been denying his existence, you know, like I, I made a joke on this Sunday night. I was like, people in their teens are, I think that's God's revenge on their parents because people in their teens are like the ones who always rebel against their parents and they deny you know, their parents' existence. <laughs> I feel like God sometimes feels the same way. Here you have someone, he, he designs in his image, he gives them everything, and they deny that he exists. Maybe you haven't denied Jesus. Maybe you know that Jesus is alive. Maybe you know that God 
is alive, but you've denied him in your actions. Just like the guy knew that this is left and this is right, but then it's twisted. And maybe you don't have that, that maybe you know that God exists, but you sort of took your time to really come to him. Can I tell you that tomorrow is not guaranteed? And I'm not, a, I'm not trying to scare you to hell here. I'm just, I'm just saying that right now you have a moment to say, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be persistent in my love towards people and my love towards God. And it starts with me coming to the cross and repenting for the sins that I've done before and the sins that I've done today. And the next thing is, is to, to not only kind of like confess my sin, but actually walk away from the lifestyle. It might take me eight months, or it might take me a year or two years to kind of learn a new way of doing life. It might take me quite some time to figure out a new way to follow after the Lord. But if, but if this guy was so committed to learning how to ride a bike, I think we have way bigger consequences. We have way grander rewards that we should do this for. I love this, this verse that I want to kind of close on. Is that true love doesn't just confesses and repents and pursues and commits and all these things, but it starts with, it says Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behavior of, and customs of this world, but God, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasant and perfect will. It all starts here. Allow God to transform you by the way you think. How does God transform you? By the way you think. How does God transform you? By the way you think. How does God transform you? By the way you think. So he starts right here. See, look, maybe knowledge is not understanding, but it starts with knowledge and then comes understanding. So, so be it in the Word and constantly receiving His knowledge, it's going to slowly transform into understanding as you spend time in worship, as you spend time in your devotion, as you spend time at youth, as you spend time at New Year's, as you spend time at, uh, you know, at kids camp or our camp, a youth camp. If you, as you spend time in all these things, little by little, you will hear the word of, a word of knowledge by, by a friend of you or someone will come and rebuke you. Someone will tell you what you've done that is not godly. Someone will say, I am just so glad for who you are and what you've done in my life. Some some people will praise and some people will rebuke you. But in that process, in all that, you will gain understanding. And the Lord will change you. And slowly and slowly, day by day, you'll become more and more like Him. So this New Year's, I hope that you don't set out to do everything perfectly because you're going to fail. But I hope that you make a commitment that regardless of what happens, every single night I go to the cross, every single morning, I start with the devotions. And God, I don't really know the future. I don't know how many days I have to live, but in every single second, I will be intentional with my love towards people and towards you. I will not sit back apathetic, so indulged in my comfort and so kind of like wrapped up in who I am. And because, you know, social media thought, gave me 300 likes, I, I must be somebody. I think as a pastor, I learned one thing. The mob... The mob is horrible. The mob one day will, you know, will exalt you, and the next day they'll crucify you. If you go with the crowd, 
the waves change real quick. And one day you're the hero, and the next day you're not the hero anymore, you're the villain. The crowd is just such an uncontrolled thing. Like one day people love you, and one day people hate you. But you need to know who you are in Christ. And I hope that you're defining that. Would you stand with me right now? We have three minutes left, and I want to call you to prayer. If you maybe you kind of kind of winged this whole year, right? Like you just kind of just kind of did this. You just kind of walked and okay, I'll go to small group. Oh, I, I guess I'll go to New Year's. I'll go to this. Oh, I guess I'll have a coffee with someone. I guess I'll read my Bible. I guess I guess I'll pray. I guess I'll do devotions. I hope that that will change. And this year will be different. You'll say, I will be intentional about my relationship with the Lord. I'll be intentional about my relationship with the church. I'll be intentional about my relationship with people. I'll be intentional in everything that I do. And I know maybe today wasn't exactly like, oh, you can do a boo and all that. Like, maybe you didn't get that. But I think it's necessary that we understand that ultimately Jesus is a friend, but he's also our Lord. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.